The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And today we are going to discuss, is whining winning? Where and when is whining winning? <laughs> it's a bit of an alliteration. I want to do when whining wins, but Scott thought that that was ridiculous, so we didn't. All right, but first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Okay, full disclosure, this is our first week actually in studio in June. We've been running recorded episodes. So happy June, happy Pride Month to all. We are running um, How to Calm Your Canine, $10 off. It's only $19. It's normally a $29 course for those of you who didn't want to do the math um, through a special link. That link is in the show notes. It's http colon slash slash www.caninehealing.com slash pride. Uh, Canine Healing, though, is the letter K, the number nine, because that's my ClickFunnels Canine Healing account. You can check that out in the show notes. And I will send you guys the ebook that goes along with that course if you purchase this will be pulled um, the beginning of July. It's only a June special, but I wanted to extend it out there because I've been doing some seminars myself on this. Scott and I have done some presentations on this. The people who have taken the course so far are finding great value in it, whether you have a difficult rescue or you know a high-performance sports dog or something else. So I wanted to extend the offer, and happy Pride to all. You've said a mouthful. <laughs> I always do. All right. So let's talk about whining. Uh, we did a barking podcast a bit ago, but whining takes on a whole scene of its own. And there are some dogs out there that are very, very vocal, sometimes just in the presence of any human, going to the vet, going away from the home, being in cars and everything else. So where do you stand with the whining sitch to start first and foremost? Well, it's very annoying. <laughs> and most people, the reason that... Uh, Whining typically wins is because it's stressful to listen to a dog whine or bark or whatever, you know, make this nuisance noise. So we give in and we let them out of the crate or we let them out of the bedroom or we let them back in if they're outdoors. Or we let them outside to go chase squirrels. We just keep moving around trying to get them to be happy. What do we got to do to make you happy? That's kind of how people typically try to stop the whining. And, um, or they may wind up just like the dog is on the couch and they're just petting the dog and scratching him under the, the chin for yeah. an hour. Yeah. And everything is nice and calm and quiet. And some dogs even whine through the affection. So this is something, and Scott brought up that it's annoying and it is annoying to listen to, but it's also an instability within the dog, right? I mean, if your dog is sitting there and whimpering and just showing this instability, whether it's translating into, you know, heavy panting or drooling or anything else. If you're getting an excessive amount of whining, that's a telltale signal that your dog does not feel comfortable in his own body and in his own headspace. So how can we change that for the dog? So one thing I do want to bring up is what is the easiest way to combat whining? And that is 100% As soon as you're seeing the whining start, you're stopping it in its tracks. So, you know, a great example is a dog that whines in the car. You have a lot of dogs. You can call it anxiety in the car, excitement, whatever else. But, you know, you bring that dog to daycare four days a week. The dog is whining the entire time, and then it gets to go to daycare. Like, the whining has won. You know, it gets there, it's excited, and then it gets to go play with all of its friends all day. If you have a situation like that when you just see whining popping up, 
the sooner you address it, the easier it's going to be for you. It's not that you can't address it if you have it four days a week, every trip to daycare and all of that, but it's going to be a longer process. So if you had a dog who really was pretty quiet or a rescue who came to your house and was pretty, you know, docile, not really making too much noise the first week or the first month, and now it's starting, think about ways how you can turn that around right from the get-go. That is the easiest way to deal with it is as soon as you start to see it, you're addressing it and changing it right then and there. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people don't realize they have an issue like this because the dog has total freedom all the time. Yeah. That I've been to, I was at a house the other day where the people never put the dog on a leash. There's no need for putting a leash in their mind. There's no need to leash the dog. They have a big piece of property. They live on a dead end, real quiet uh, residential area where the dog isn't going to get hit by a car. So the dog has total freedom all the time. And the dog seems, you know, relatively calm. But when they have to put a leash on him and take him to the vet, when they have to start controlling the dog, now all of a sudden the dog gets really hyper anxious, whining, and upset. And uh, so sometimes, you know, just you need to, and you, and just for practical reasons, you have to reel the dog in occasionally yeah. and do something. And just because you don't need to put a leash on the dog doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, you know. And I tell people all the time, if you, like, a lot of people don't want to use a crate, and I can appreciate that. But the dog also jumps on people, visitors, and the dog has really obnoxious behavior. And I said, you know, when, when UPS comes or anything like that, and I said, or when the kids get home from school, it gets really hectic. And I said, well, you could start crate training and just use the crate as a management tool during very specific times of the day, not overnight, not like it's a major part of this dog's life, but just using it as a tool where you can just give the dog some downtime and avoid having the dog jumping on guests and then you feeling bad about that, making excuses for your dog. And it doesn't require a lot of training, but you do need to acclimate the dog to the crate, get them comfortable being in there. So that would be something where you'd start training them to go in the crate. And of course, we typically... We'll have them eating their meals in the crate and then... Part of how to come in Canaan. Yeah, and having them start to get some quiet time in the crate. You know, small, you know, half hour, an hour here and there. And expand on that a little bit so that they don't get all stressed about it. It's just a normal thing to go in the crate. And then when you need it, you can throw them in the crate, put some music on in that room to so they don't hear all the activity outside. And uh, it's just a nice way to manage a dog's behavior. Let's unpack the leash situation a little more because that is a place that people normally think, oh, my dog's fine. My dog is happy to do whatever they want to do, but they move around at their own pace. They don't have any, you know, constrictions on them in the environment that they're in. If the leash is an automatic, like, moment of, okay, the whining's going to start, either either there's arousal of we're going somewhere or this unsuredness of, you know, what's coming next, I, I don't know what to expect – Start putting the leash on when your dog eats meals. Hopefully you're feeding your dog on a structured feeding schedule. You put food down, they finish the food. Then if they don't finish the food, you pick it up. Put the leash on for the meal. If you feed the dog in the crate or outside of the crate, I don't care. Put a leash on, the dog eats, take the leash off. If your dog's resting at the end of the night and laying next to you or laying at your feet, put the leash on once the dog is resting. Start incorporating the leash in situations that aren't going to become a field trip, that aren't going to become, you know, something greater, some anxiety-provoking visit to the groomer or the vet or, you know, a trip to the park if they're excited to go there. Start changing the way that the dog looks at the leash. The crate is a great one. You do often see whining in the crate. You can call that separation anxiety. You can call that not wanting to be controlled. Who knows what the dog is necessarily thinking. If you have whining in the crate that persists over 30 minutes, 
I would try to create the dog somewhere that's, you know, the dog doesn't have a visual to you. So if the dog's created in the kitchen or somewhere that they can hear you or see you, create them in a bedroom. If you can't hear them, if you're not sure what that's sounding like or looking like, maybe you could put like up a Nest camera or sometimes they have these devices where you can even use like another old phone to watch the dog. Have a way to watch the dog. Of course, you're not going to be communicating with the dog, but know what their behavior is like in that context. If a spare bedroom doesn't work and the garage is temperature controlled, can you put the dog in the garage. Where is the whining stopping first and foremost, especially when it relates to the crate? The car, if the car is temperature controlled and safe, where does the whining subside, the dog calms down, and then you build from there. But you need to know where the dog's baseline is as far as how can they accept the crate, like where can they accept the crate, what conditions make the crate, you know, more accepting of the dog, I guess, that you don't have the noise, you don't have all of this. And like Scott said, feeding the dog in the crate is a great way to just briefly acclimate the dog to the crate. You're in the crate, maybe after they eat, they're in there for five minutes, they're calm, they get released. Ideally, if you're trying to stop whining in a crate, you're always releasing your dog out. Once they're quiet, they're not just persistently like scratching at the crate and then they get out because then, again, the whining has won. Yeah, and usually there's, you know, if it's an ongoing thing that's driving you crazy, this pattern's leading up to it. There's, and the dogs know the patterns, but we don't because we're not looking at patterns. We're just communicating through language more than looking at how the bodies are moving around in this building and people are coming and going. And uh, knowing what the patterns are and knowing what the triggers are that start this whining, it's really easy to just head off some of these things so that it doesn't start in the first place. That would be, and like, for example, I have a client, a new client now that their dog gets crazy around dusk because all these little bunny rabbits come out into their backyard and start looking around for things to eat. And they have big picture windows, and this dog just sits there, waits for those bunnies to come out, and then starts getting all worked up and you know whining and then going running back and forth and all this stuff. And just by putting a leash on the dog a half hour before sunset, that dusk time, and bring, moving the dog around with them and not allowing the dog to run to the, to the windows and deal with that stuff has started to cut down on these things dramatically. Yeah, and, this the, is, and the reason we're doing it this way right now is because the dog has no real formal training yet. We're just trying to not allow the dog to keep repeating these negative behaviors that are driving everyone crazy. Yeah, rehearsing the bullshit. And like Scott's saying about interrupting patterns, that's a great one. If the dog gets really triggered when the kids go to leave for school or something else, change up what that looks like for the dog in the morning. If the dog's just sitting in the kitchen while, you know, the backpacks are going on and, you know, the, or they're going off to camp or whatever that looks like, maybe your husband goes to pick up his briefcase to leave for work, put the dog out in the yard one morning. See what that looks like. Then let the dog in when they leave. Like, start changing up these patterns so you do not have these daily rehearsals of this instability that's just creeping up. And it's going to expand into other things, you guys. We have clients that honestly, anytime that they take the dog anywhere, it's just constantly whining. And then, you know, now that's starting to happen within their house. And basically, if the dog's sleeping or eating, they're not whining. But other times, it's just kind of this like low, and that is not a good headspace for the dog to be in. And that is not a good household to be sharing space with a dog who's always that vocal. So really start to hone in on what, why, how, and like where you can intervene because the dog does need intervention in these parts. And it's not that our dogs are 100% silent all the time, but Scott and I deal with a lot of dogs with a lot of big problems. We own multiple dogs ourselves and we have a very quiet household. It's not that, you know, we're constantly like, oh, like this one's whining, this one's barking. Like we, we try to live in a very stable, calm environment with our dogs and we're trying to impart that onto you and your household as well. And that does require work. Yeah. It's like, the, it's more work to create a calm environment 
than to allow this whining, but then you're having a nervous breakdown. And that's what happens. Like that long-term stress of, it's like a water torture. It's just always (laughs) boom, boom. It's the dog. It's the kids. It's just whine, 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 whine. And you just tolerate it and tolerate it and block it out with many glasses of wine and do what most of us do. But if you address these things, especially the dog, it's easier than the children. But if you get the dog under control, then you say, okay, next to the kids. Now we're not going to have the kids whining for everything and getting their way left and right all the time. And uh, it's, it takes some work because, uh, you know, I've often, you know, mentioned that phrase extinction burst in my, with my clients where dogs have been able to get away with a certain behavior for weeks and months and even years sometimes. And now I come in and I say, okay, we're going to change everything or this one behavior. They're not, dog isn't going to do that anymore. And quite often the behavior will get worse because the dog is trying to hold on to that old way of living. I don't want you to control me. I want to do what I want to do. And they get worse. But if you fight through it and you structure your relationship with this dog and the way you approach these behaviors and these little problems so that they don't win, it goes away. But if they have the big extinction, this burst of negative behavior, and then they succeed, it's just reinforcing again. If I fight really hard, no one's going to be making me do this shit. It's going to be harder the next time for sure. Okay, let's go to break super quick. And when we get back, we'll talk more about whining and winning. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. Okay, we're back. So I want to address multiple dogs real quick because this is sometimes a situation that the whining feeds upon itself with the energy of all the other dogs. If you have a very noisy household and you have multiple dogs and you want to start addressing the noise, I would highly recommend that you start addressing it dog by dog. You're never going to get great loose leash walking with three dogs if you're just always taking the three dogs out. We're always breaking it down dog to dog. You're never going to get a completely silent household just overnight with trying to fix this all at once. So I would recommend, you know, maybe a couple dogs go to the groomer for the day. You're dealing with one singular dog at home. Maybe your spouse takes a dog out for a walk. You're dealing with one single dog at home. And the other real benefit of that is you'll start to understand what each individual dog is bringing to the table and how much they're either influenced by the other dogs in the household or they're the ones actually triggering it or not. You'll kind of get a better baseline about what's actually going on. So if you have multiple dogs and you have a lot of noise, and this is very specific to whining, not so much barking. Like I said, we did a whole barking podcast previously. You need to separate the dogs and work on it one by one. Um, another thing, bark collars often are tricky with whining. If you use bark collars, sometimes they can help, but dogs can whine through the bark collar, like under the vibration of the bark collar, right? Like they know if they bark, they'll get corrected, but they can still whine underneath that. If you're having that issue um, and you do use tools like this, we would recommend that you try a remote collar. We like the dog to 200 Cs, but that way then you can control the stimulation and the dog is understanding that even with this tool on me, the whining can get corrected as well. And it depends on each dog, right? Sometimes you just tap it on 10. Sometimes it's continuous 20. Sometimes the dog needs a higher correction. It really depends on how the dog perceives the tool. However, I will say, since I brought this up, in the context of if your dog has a bed exercise, 
We are huge proponents of if you're going to interrupt the whining while the dog is on the bed, it's always going to be on a low level. We never want to correct the dog on a high level on the bed. And sometimes you could even try the vibrate if it's not going to freak the dog out, but just something to break that pattern and interrupt that dog. So the whining doesn't just persist because no one wants a dog that's now stabilized on a pet cot or something for 30 to 45 minutes, just staring at you whining. So it's important to break these patterns and come up with tools and various ways that you can actually communicate to the dog and get through to them that you know that you don't appreciate the whining. Yeah. And on a more positive note, <laughs> I would say another way, another place where whining starts, um, kicks in, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the separation, putting them in a room, putting them in a crate, they're whining, they're in the car, they're not comfortable with the car, they're whining. But I have more than one client and some personal friends who they feed their dog at, say, five o'clock every night. And about 10 minutes to five, maybe 4.45, the dog comes into the room and starts barking at, at my buddy. He's sitting on the couch. Dog starts barking at him. He says, no, not yet. The dog is like, hey, I want my dinner. That turned into 3.30. Now at 3.30, the dog starts barking at him because, and running to the kitchen, coming back, barking at him, running back to the kitchen, wants to get fed. So that's a pattern that developed that um, if the dog is doing that, it's because they have won in activating you to go get off your butt and go feed them. And uh, this one particular friend I have, he takes his dogs on these nice long hikes almost daily, but he does it in the morning after he's, you know, got up and had his breakfast, they go for a nice hike. I would think it'd be a great time to take the dog yeah. out for a walk around 3.34 in the afternoon or 4.30 so that when you get home, it's dinner time. Yeah. Break that pattern. Now the dog is out. They're not thinking about food. They're out on the big hike. They're out in the woods. They're out doing stuff. When you get home, it's time for them to eat. And then you feed them. You yeah. Know? And Start noise, breaking things up Noise in relation to feeding is a good one. There are a lot of people out there that will be running to the cookie jar and thinking, oh, you must be hungry and, oh, you must have to eat lunch. There's a lot of clients that we have with adult dogs feeding their dogs three times a day. I don't understand where this is coming from lately. Yeah, really but really heavy dogs yeah, too. Yeah, but I mean, that's just a lot of caloric intake. That's a lot more for the body to metabolize. That could be increasing anxiety in other ways just based on how they're processing food. Just be conscious of these things. But Scott's right. If the whining is the precursor to eating... How are you going to change the situation? How are you going to change your routine? How are you going to change your patterns so that's no longer happening? So yeah, a walk right before eating would be a great plan then. Yeah, and if you have multiple dogs, that's the beginning of all of a sudden redirection. Dogs start fighting with each other. You got two or three dogs in the kitchen hungry, barking, uh, worked up, excited, and then all of a sudden one of them will just tag the one next to them. That kind of crap happens all the time. So. And, you know, in our house, we don't have any of that problem with the, with the we got our, our share of problems, trust me. <laughs> we don't have any trouble with the feeding times because we're so inconsistent, really, with our feeding <laughs> at night. Like, they might eat at six, they might eat at eight. It depends on how busy we are and what we're doing with our lives. When we get home, the dogs eat. And, uh, or if we get home and, you know, we're just unwinding for an hour, but they don't, they don't have that set, like, it's six o'clock, I got to eat now. And people get so stressed about, oh my God, at six, my dog has to eat. It's six o'clock. This is when they eat. What's going to happen if they eat at seven? They eat nothing. More whining. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to not have these patterns at all. And, you know, I've said it in the past, but um, I know kennels and probably they don't do that anymore either, but they used to not feed the dogs at all on Sunday. It was a fasting day, which is kind of a European mindset. But it's good for the dogs. It's good for them to take a day off and not eat anything. It's good for us to do that. But we have access to food and we can walk over to the fridge and open it up. So we don't do that. But dogs, we can control their intake. We can control the quality of the food they get. 
we can control everything. Yeah, and we make just, sure. We get so emotional about it. Oh my God, they have to eat. He's not eating it. Quick, cook some hamburger. <laughs> cook something up for this dog, you know? Yeah, the dog whines, you offer something they don't eat, then you make something else. All right, I want to address the car situation because that is a pretty common one for people. And um, I just, I really want to give you guys some tips here for that. So if you are having an issue with the car, my first go-to would be, Get in the car while the car is in the driveway. Do not leave. Spend a few minutes in the car. See what you get. You're not even, you know, you can crack the windows or turn on the air if you want, but you're not leaving the driveway. See what your baseline is of just being in a car. If that is still a shit show, bring your dog into the car, have your dog on leash. If you, you know, seatbelt your dog or something in the back, have your dog contained in some way. If you're still getting a lot of whining, try a crate in the car. Crates are great for safety in the car. Um, you know, you can create a visual block from the back window and the side windows and everything else, but you need to start getting some good reps in the car that don't result in, oh, we got to your favorite hiking spot. Oh, we got to the play date with your best friend. Oh, we got to daycare. Because all that's doing then is the car is this place of, you can call it excitement or over arousal or maybe anxiety. I'm not sure what the dog is thinking. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the dog is thinking or why the dog is whining. They cannot communicate with us in the sense that they say, this is how I'm feeling and this is why I'm doing it. We just know that it's this instability bubbling up. Of course, if you have a dog who's you know, quiet most of the time and then whines at the door. Maybe they have to go out. Maybe they have a GI issue. You have to obviously like, you know, be in tune with them like you would a baby as far as what they need and when and make sure there's not a medical issue. But if it's just this, every situation they're in the car, it's creating noise. How can you break that? What broke that? How long can you sit in the driveway and that's broken? And often people want to be like, quiet, no, no you know, don't. They're interrupting the whining with some sort of attention towards the dog. And that isn't necessarily helping it. It's just feeding it more. Oh, good. I got mom's attention. So if they're on a leash in the car and, you know, they're roaming around and everything else, maybe you just hold the leash then. You you stabilize them more now that they don't have, you know, the front seat, the back seat to jump all around and the rear hatch and to get wild. How can you stop it so the dog is not acting mental in the car? And then how can you progress on that? Maybe you first drive to the mailbox, get your mail, drive back in the driveway. You know what I mean? Maybe if the dog likes a chew, you give them a chew sometimes in the car. If they're fixated on that, great. We broke the whining. Breaking the cycle is the most important part. And I would say even with the, you know, and again, I'm just thinking about some recent clients, you know, typical big issue is, oh, I walked down the street, everything's okay. But when we see another dog, my dog starts whining. My dog wants to go say hi. My dog, you know, and they feel as though the dog should be able to and is supposed to go say hi to this other dog. There's no rule that says you, your dog has to say hello to everybody, every other dog on the street. And quite often it winds up uh, in less than ideal results where the other dog might not be that friendly or whatever. But your dog, every time you allow the dog to go see the other dog, you're reinforcing that uh, at best case scenario, all dogs are friendly and here's another one I want to go see. And the whining and the pulling and the barking and all that stuff is starting again. So And the whining has won. The best way to, to address that is to just walk right on by. Yeah. Your dog's whining. Come on, let's go. Bring a handful of great chicken with you. Bring good food. But don't allow the dog to get to keep getting these um, these wins out there that are because you know we're always thinking about I'm always thinking about off leash control that's the ideal to have a dog that you can have off leash they see another dog it's they're neutral they don't feel a need to dart across the street into traffic to go see that other dog where he could get killed by a car you know that's that's my thinking and I don't want my dog to get uh, bit by somebody else's dog. 
And it's such, it's such rude behavior to allow your dog to just go up on somebody else with their dog. It's just terribly rude and it's just a, you know, not good dog etiquette, dog owner etiquette to do that. But a lot of people do it. But again, to get back to the whining and the, the vocalization, you need to start. To, and that's what's great about a class. Like I'll show up with dogs and we're just walking right by each other. And no, there's no greetings, there's no hello. I'll do a greeting with someone who's concerned about their dog. They have a young dog, they're concerned that they're not dog friendly. So I'll show them here, here's a dog. Okay, your dogs are sniffing each other, these dogs are happy. Great, your dog has no problem. So let's not make a problem here, yeah. you know? Yeah, and that's, and that's very important. If you're always getting whining when you see other people or other dogs, and then that's reinforced by, so many people say, oh, once he just comes and says hi, once he just sniffs you, yeah, once you give him a cookie, it'll hi, be better. Be good. Like that's not helping your cause, you guys. We have to backtrack that thinking completely. Okay, as far as the whining and it escalating and the noise and, you know, it's just crazy. How do I help it? Scott was saying on the way here, and it's true, 10 to 15 minutes of good solid work, whether it be actual loose leash walking where your dog is really understanding, like there are some rules to loose leash walking. Maybe it's a nose work session that, you know, you set up boxes in your house and everything else. 10 to 15 minutes of solid mental work for your dog. Recall session with a long line, like the dog is thinking, the dog is doing the behaviors. We're not giving the dog a lot of different options and a lot of different freedom and a lot of different, you know, choices to make here. We're, we're working the dog and we're getting some results within that session. However, that looks like to you, should tone the dog down quite a bit. And if you always get whining in the crate, I would suggest after those 10 to 15 minutes, put the dog in the crate for half an hour. Maybe the dog can then have a nap in the crate. We're counteracting that crying that you would normally get in the crate. If you go and you throw the chuck it ball for your dog and they're really zonked out, put them in the crate when they get home. See if you get a nap in that context, not just immediate whining. Working the dogs and not just exercise. I shouldn't even have brought exercise up, but working the dogs with mental, yeah, structured exercise is great. If you go to the park all the time with a chuck it, now you bring the bed, the dog has to stay in the bed, you throw the ball, you release the dog, maybe you call the dog off the ball, you walk and you get the ball. The, The dog's thinking, right? You're breaking up that pattern. It's not just the dog's rushing back to you and barking at you to throw it again and you're just doing it until the dog's tongue is hanging out and they're, you know, ready to fall over. Quite often the dogs don't even have a, re- a retrieve. Yeah. I mean, they go chase it, they get it, and they run around, and it takes 10 minutes to get the ball back, and then you throw it again. So I would, you know, and I tell everyone this, just put a 20-foot line on the dog, and it's not going to be fun, and it's not going to, for you, it's not going to be maybe as much fun, and it's certainly not going to be as much fun for them in the beginning. But you're throwing the ball out there 15, 18 feet. They run out and get it, but then you're bringing them back yeah. in on the long line. You're making them sit. You're putting some structure into this. That's making them think. And that's what's really now going to tire them out. And it's the same with the treadmill. We like to do treadmill work with the motorized treadmill. But you could do the the other kind also. But the motorized specifically is more mentally exhausting because you're controlling how fast that belt moves. And they're like, holy crap. You know, after they even get used to it, it, there's a little bit of a learning curve, maybe two or three sessions. But once they learn, okay, get on here, they have to walk at the pace of the belt. Or they're going to go off the back. Yeah. If they go too fast, they're going to go off the front. They have to work with the pace of that belt. And that requires them to focus and have some, you know, burn up some mental energy. That yeah. works great. And I just, I mean, we say this a lot in different ways in the podcast, but if you're letting the dog out in the your backyard, you know, for 30 to 45 minutes and they're free to roam and sniff and chase bunnies and everything else, I'm telling you, we're promising you that... 10 to 15 minutes of structured work, of mentally exhausting work versus just them going out and doing whatever they want, you know, running at daycare all day. 
that is where you're going to really see the difference. And uh, if you're getting a ton of whining, try that out and then see if you get a behavior change. Yeah, I want to tell you a little exercise we did with a lady that they have a new rescue, a nice golden that pulls on the leash and is just crazy right out of the door. So I said, I texted her. I was outside the house ready for class. I said, bring your dog out on the leash. She brings the dog out. Dog pulls out the front door, pulling up the yard, coming up towards the house. I said, okay, stop. Go back in the house. And we had the dog sit at the front door. And when you open the door, dog immediately gets up. Nope. Close the door. Put the dog back in a sit. The dog is not leaving, going through that threshold until it's using some self-control and holding the sit. Then you go out together. As soon as we're on the doormat, sit. If it can't sit there, you go back in to start again. We spent the whole class. And at the end of the class, she was able to open the door. The dog sat came out, the dog sat, then there was some cobblestones. I said, get to the end of the cobblestone before the lawn, sit, heal that dog up to the street. And she was able to do it a couple of times successfully, but it took about 30 attempts. But by the end of that, the woman was thrilled. The dog was tired. Yeah. The dog's like, Holy mentally, crap. mentally exhaustive. You really touched on all of them. Structured sits. Another how to calm your canine exercise, you guys. If you are interested in the how to calm your canine pride link, that's why we have the front of the set with the pretty calm your can- how to calm your canine logo. Check out the link in the description. If you missed Michael's podcast from last week, you guys, it is a doozy. Everyone's loving it. A lot of great information in there. And next week we have an interview with Francis Metcalf. He is the Canine Circus School guy out in California. He's an awesome guy. He was an awesome guest. Lastly, if you would like to work with us in person, our service area goes from Portland, Maine, to Manchester, New Hampshire, to Boston, Massachusetts, and you can email us at studio at thecorkydog.com. Thanks so much for joining us this week, and get your whining in check. Take care, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.